tell me, the little one said as she snuggled closer on the sofa, about Christmas in the olden days. Her mama kissed her blonde curls and shared the thrill of that one gift with her name on it. A doll in a pram, the blankets made by wrinkly hands, clacking needles in the candlelight over many wintry nights. She told of stirring the plum pudding with a big wooden spoon, apron at her ankles, on a chair by her mother, of whispering a wish as she stirred, and of the wish coming true. Now, as she looked at her own child, face beaming in the firelight, she realised that she had forgotten all that, but this little one was her chance to remember. Welcome to the Calm Christmas Podcast with me, Beth Kempton. A few words there from my book, Calm Christmas and a Happy New Year. Please come on in, out of the wind. I'm so glad you found this old cottage, hidden away as it is in a small village in the southwest of England. Come on through to the kitchen and pull up a chair. There are gingerbread stars fresh out of the oven and steaming tea in the pot. How have you been, my friend? I'm so glad you're here and I've got so much to share with you. Ah, what a joy it is to welcome you to a third season of the Calm Christmas podcast, timed just as autumn turns to leave and in its shadow offers us a glimpse of winter. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. If you're a listener from previous years, welcome back. It was so lovely to hear from so many of you last year, and I am delighted to be back with a whole new series for this winter. Here on the podcast, we trace the turning of the seasons in nature and in our minds and hearts. We seek out ways to be more mindful about the approaching holidays, and I offer inspiration and tips for using this time to rest and restore after yet another full year. This season of the podcast has a particular significance for me because my lovely mum died in April, less than three weeks after a terminal cancer diagnosis. It was a huge shock, and to be honest, it's only recently sunk in properly that this will be our first Christmas without her. She absolutely loved this time of year, and she always made it so special for me and my brothers when we were growing up. Many of the traditions in my own home are born from things that she did with us or for us when we were children, and she taught me what a difference a sprinkling of magic can make to everything in the depths of winter. I know that there will be deep sadness in the weeks ahead, but I also know that it mattered to her that we continue to embrace Christmas, to treasure it as a time with our own children who are growing up too fast, and to ensure that we welcome light and joy into our homes this year as we try to do every year. I know this for sure, not just because I knew her, but because she told me before she died. When my mum knew what was coming, she made a point of talking to me about Christmas and even shared some of her own ideas for this season of the podcast for you. I hope you sense her love and light in every episode. I will also be doing a special episode later in the series all about coping with sadness and grief at Christmas. If you anticipate such an arrival yourself, that episode is for you. It will be coming up in early December and I hope that it's a real comfort. I know that this year has been challenging for so many of you in different ways too. For those of you who've shared your stories in my community this year, 
I'd like to take this opportunity to thank you for your bravery and openness. It helped me feel less alone at a very difficult time. It's sometimes so hard to fathom everything that happens in our world. War, natural disasters, all kinds of loss, major transitions and painful events witnessed in the world. Sometimes Christmas can seem trivial alongside such events. But sometimes they can make it even more poignant and precious. This series of the podcast is dedicated to the spirit of Christmas. May it bring peace and goodwill to us all. The Calm Christmas podcast is not just about making Christmas special. It's very much about winter well-being and finding light in the darkness of late autumn and winter. Let's see if together we can transform the holiday season from a time of depletion to a time of rest and rejuvenation. And bearing in mind that there's an ongoing cost of living crisis, it's more important than ever that we find ways to create a special Christmas for less, but that we do it in a way which feels like so much more. This season of the podcast will attend to all of these things. I hope it inspires you to find many ways to bring joy into your life this winter and that it feels like a blanket of calm descending as a beautiful snowfall over your November and December. And even if you're listening from somewhere that never sees snowfall, I hope you will find comfort and joy in the podcast too. Let me share a little bit more about what I have in store for you this series. We have a new episode every week from early November through to the end of the year with a couple of bonus episodes around Christmas time itself. We will be diving into all kinds of topics from nourishing ourselves to taking a mindful approach to gifting, from making our homes cosy for the holidays to finding calm and stillness in the holiday rush. As always, there will be inspiration from nature, Christmas traditions from around the world, crafting ideas recipes, get-ahead tips and wintry words to soothe the soul. Some extra delights for this year include a writing exercise for every episode. This is very gentle. It's often as simple as a journaling question. And so there is so much in store for you. I hope you will make space for the Calm Christmas podcast and let it become a regular part of your week in the run-up to the holiday season this year. For this season, I've chosen episode titles inspired by the names of famous Christmas carols and festive songs. But please know that this is not a religious podcast at all. It's based in the belief that there is no one way to celebrate Christmas. Any version of it is welcome here. Today, we begin with episode one, Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire, which is really an introduction to all that is to come with a focus on seeking slow this season. Can I let you into a secret? I only recently learned that Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire is not actually the title of the song that many of us know by that name. The tune, written by pianist Mel Torm and lyricist Bob Wells, is actually called The Christmas Song, and Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire is the first line. Did you know that? What a first line it is. When I hear it, I'm immediately eight years old, queuing up for a paper bag full of freshly roasted chestnuts in the market town of Romsey in Hampshire, near where I grew up, where I've gone with my family for the Christmas light switch on. The memory is so strong I can still smell those roasting chestnuts, hear the crinkle of the paper bag and feel the heat of my treat in my small hands. The older I get, the more I realise that it's in slowing down 
that we imprint memories like this onto our hearts. That's just one of the reasons that I have chosen slow as one of the themes for this season of the podcast. Another is that slowing down is a natural response to the approaching winter, however much society seems to want to push us in the other direction. And following this natural rhythm can be so good for our sense of well-being at the darkest time of the year. Of course, slowing down and taking a mindful approach to the season doesn't mean that Christmas has to be any less exciting or joyful if that's what you want. It simply means focusing on the things that really matter, not wasting energy on the things that don't matter, and taking care of yourself through it all, so you can soak up the season with all the magic, sparkle and hope that it brings. Late autumn is the perfect time to begin to slow down and to make early plans for the kind of holiday season we want to invite in, knowing that the way we spend the next few weeks will affect how we enter the new year and how we feel come January. As this month's edition of the gorgeous magazine The Simple Things shares, November is an apt moment in which to check our stores and provisions are in order, stringing up strings of onions and the like. Not only for foodstuffs, but also supplies for anything we fancy making or doing over the coming season. And it's a good time to check if our emotional store cupboards need replenishing too. That's such a lovely way of putting it. To check if our emotional store cupboards need replenishing too. It's perhaps a time we have to more actively seek out joy and also connection with others, gathering around bonfires, taking homemade cakes round to neighbours' homes, calling up old friends and starting to think about who will be on our Christmas card list this year. Slowing down can mean different things to different people, but here are five super simple ways that you can start to do it straight away today. Firstly, take a deep breath and cut one thing from your calendar this week. Anything. One thing. And then... Move one thing that you feel that you have to do between now and the end of the year into next year. Go on, I dare you. See how it feels. Another thing you could do is go for a walk or run, meditate or do some yoga, even if you think you don't have time. The Dalai Lama once said, meditate for an hour a day. If you're busy, meditate for two. I think it's genius advice. Of course, two hours a day is very long, which is what most of our response is to that kind of advice, which is half the problem, I guess. But the fundamental message of the busier we are, the more important it becomes is absolutely true. Have at least one real conversation in the next 24 hours where you show up fully with eye contact, really listening regardless of whatever else is going on around you. And then another super simple way is to take your journal and write a few notes about how you want this upcoming holiday season to feel and to decide one thing that you can do today to make that possible. This time of year is also a great time for reconnection with ourselves and the kind of things that help us do that are really good for helping us slow down. So over the coming weeks, we might want to think about celebrating the harvest of our efforts this year, even in the simplest of ways, by lighting a candle and sending some gratitude to ourselves. 
perhaps um, making a list of all the things that we feel proud of from this year. Letting ourselves off the hook for anything that we didn't get done, that we hope to get done because, you know, life happens. And perhaps offering gratitude for all that we've been blessed with this year. It's also a great time to begin to transform our homes into cosy spaces that really support slowing down. And all of that is coming up in the next few episodes. But right now, let's turn our attention to the season waiting for us outside the window. Autumn is such a beautiful time of year. Nature is glorious, its colours and scents drawing us outside for long walks, crunching over leaves, the scent of wood smoke in the air. Here in Devon, I've just been given an allotment. I'm so thrilled. I'd been on the waiting list for a while, and apparently this autumn it became my turn. I do have a little garden at home, but it doesn't get much sun and it's not well suited for growing much food. So I'm so grateful for this chance to share the experience with my children. According to the National Allotment Society, allotments have been in existence for centuries. The system that we recognise today has its roots in the 19th century, when land was given over to the labouring population for the provision of food growing. These days, anyone can rent an allotment from the local council here in Britain, subject to availability, although the waiting lists are often many years long. The main stipulation is that you can only use your allotment to grow food and flowers for personal use and for the enjoyment of it. It actually says for enjoyment on the tenancy agreement, which I think is just lovely. Allotments are wonderful. They come in all shapes and sizes. Mine is a very long, very thin strip of ground full of earthworms and promise with a view over distant hills. Rental prices are a hangover from earlier days. My plot is very small compared to some of them, so the rent is even lower than usual. But even so, it's staggeringly cheap at less than £10 a year. That's about $12 American dollars. It makes me feel connected to the land and to all the allotment holders who went before me in a way it's hard to explain. I'm pretty sure that's going to be the best £10 I've spent all year. I've been having some quiet moments snuggled in my favourite armchair reading up on what to do first. Fertilise, apparently. Uh, plant things that grow above the ground rather than root crops at this point in the year. And apparently it's a good time for sowing broad beans but I am not a huge fan of broad beans. So if anyone has a delicious broad bean recipe, I would be grateful for that. Um, it's not the best time of year to begin in terms of getting very enthusiastic and planting all sorts of things. But it is wonderful to see around my empty little plot, everyone else's plots are flourishing. There is kale and pumpkins and squashes, cabbages, celeriac and potatoes are plenty. Meanwhile, me and my children are dreaming of putting up a little shed that we thought we could cover in solar-powered fairy lights and turn it into a little Santa's grotto. We thought we could plant some little Christmas trees in pots and maybe serve hot chocolate to all the allotment holders on cold days. My husband, Mr K, thinks we should focus on vegetables, but I like our plan. At this point in the year, we don't have anything in our cottage garden which is fit for human consumption, apart from a few shriveled pears that I left on the tree in case the birds were interested. The exception is rose hips, of which we have many, 
And I recently learned that these are actually richer in vitamin C than citrus fruit and also contain vitamin B and carotene. But there is a warning that comes with rose hips, which is that although they can be used in delicious things like tea, syrup, jam, marmalade and pies, apparently the hairs inside the fruit are used in itching powder, so should be avoided. Why not take a walk where you live today and see what is thriving at this time of year? now let's talk about Christmas traditions. Each episode, I'm going to dive into some of our favourite Christmas traditions. I'll share some of my own stories. And in some cases, I'll explore the origins of things that we take for granted as symbols of this time of year. But today, I simply want to relay some of the hundreds of traditions that have been shared with me by those of you who follow me on Instagram at Beth Kempton. I did a call out recently and so many of you shared the precious things that you have brought into adulthood and also new traditions that you have created as you've got married or as you have moved to new parts of the world. Some of your comments had me in tears and I'm going to be sharing some of these beautiful ideas in each episode. So listen out in case I share yours. Veronica Funk said... I grew up near the Churchill River in the Boreal Forest in northern Manitoba, Canada. My parents had emigrated from South America, so we had no family nearby. Because the community was so isolated and small, a potluck was hosted at the town hall, and everyone celebrated by bringing their favourite goods, Cree Bannock, Hungarian sausage, Ukrainian perigees, Paraguayan empanadas, sharing delicious food and family stories together. Pura Vida Valentina said, I grew up in Bulgaria during communism, so we had no Santa Claus and too much noise at Christmas. But we still had our family traditions and used to bake Christmas bread with a coin in it. We still do it every Christmas. Wild Flora Wellbeing shared, When I was little, my dad and I crafted paper chains out of crepe paper. He'd always let me choose the colours. I'd snip the lengths and then we'd fold them carefully weaving them together by the fire each night until they were finished and we'd hang them in garlands, spiralling out across the ceiling. Dysfunctional Planner's Garden said, My dad was a soldier and often away for Christmas. We might go two or three Christmases without him, but when we were together, it was all about the food. My dad, who's from the Seychelles, was obsessed with British food and Christmas was his favourite. Daisy May and Tigger shared, My dad is Dutch and my mum is English, so we've always combined traditions from Sinterklaas, excuse me if I pronounce that wrong, and Father Christmas. When we were younger, we knew they spoke to each other so they wouldn't get us the same gifts, and we'd get half on the 5th of December in Hessian sacks and half on the 25th under the tree. Now we're grown up, we combine a family trip to a Christmas market with putting our shoes out at the start of December, always receiving a chocolate letter in each of our shoes. Quiet the Hive loves an advent candle and Ode to Slowness in Arkansas in the USA said, my favourite holiday tradition is meeting up halfway with the rest of my extended family who lives more than four hours away. Bianca in the Netherlands and her husband do a 12 days of Christmas with Christmas puzzles, movies, practice Christmas dinner and so on. I love the idea of practice Christmas dinner. Of course it could take the stress out but also it means you get to eat Christmas dinner twice. Amazing. And Natalie Locke loves a Christmas walk 
wandering the local area, looking out for Christmas lights with a pocket full of chocolate coins and something in the slow cooker for when they get home. So many joyful traditions, ideas and memories all packed in there. It's interesting how so many of those that I've just shared, but also that were left as comments on my Instagram, were all about the run up to Christmas rather than Christmas Day or whatever day you actually celebrate Christmas itself. There is so much joy and magic to be found in the anticipation. Tell me, what are your favourite holiday traditions, either from childhood or that have been brought in as you've gotten older? Perhaps pick one and turn it into a poem or a short story, or share it with a friend this week. And now it's time for this week's recipe. Actually, today I'm sharing two easy recipes for autumn. The first is my own banana bread recipe. Might seem a little bit random, it's not that Christmassy, um, but it is my children's favourite thing to eat at this time of year. It's easy to make, it's delicious, and it's perfect for a special breakfast as an energy-boosting snack, which I can tell you helps get little ones out on a long walk, or even as a tasty dessert. At a stretch, you could even ice it to make a birthday cake. Not to mention the fact it uses up overripe bananas, and those bananas are high in vitamin B6, which keeps your immune system functioning properly. Apparently, they can even help protect you against the flu. This particular recipe started life as a Leith's Cookery School recipe from their brilliant Leith's Cookery School Bible, um, which included walnuts and nutmeg in their version, but I adapted it to suit my children's tastes and we added chocolate. It's delicious. You can get the full recipe from the show notes if you don't have a pen on you now, but let me share it with you. You will need 85 grams of butter, 225 grams of plain flour, two eggs beaten, three teaspoons of baking powder, quarter of a teaspoon of bicarbonate of soda, a large pinch of salt, two large well-ripe bananas, so ones that are going a little bit brown, 110 grams of caster sugar, and a 100 gram bar of milk or dark chocolate, not cooking chocolate, chopped into small pieces. So first of all, you want to grease a loaf tin, um, maybe a 20 by 10 centimetre one or two smaller ones um, if you want to make two little loaves and then line it with greaseproof paper or baking parchment. And preheat the oven to 190 degrees C, that's 385 degrees Fahrenheit or gas mark 5. Melt the butter in a small saucepan and then allow it to cool. And then in a mixing bowl, sift together the flour, the baking powder, bicarbonate of soda and the salt. And that is where you would add quarter of a teaspoon of grated nutmeg if you were going to be using it. We don't put it in ours, but you could if you like. In a separate mixing bowl, mash the bananas. This is a great job for little ones. Um, stir in the melted butter, the sugar and the eggs. And I do it in that order Bananas, then butter, then sugar, and then eggs to try and stop the melted butter scrambling the eggs. And then I add the flour mixture and stir and add in the chocolate and stir again. Then you turn that into the prepared tins. It's quite sticky um, and you bake it for about 50 minutes or until a skewer poked into the top comes out nice and clean. It's sometimes tricky to check because obviously the chocolate on the inside is melted and you get that on the skewer sometimes. Um, but have another go if you can't decide. <laughs> um, you can use the same recipe to make muffins, actually. 
um, but they only need about 45 minutes. When you take them out of the oven, your loaf tins or your loaf tin, um, leave it to cool for about 10 minutes so that the loaf, the banana bread, keeps its shape and only then take it out of the tin and slice it. This stores really well wrapped in foil. I think it's probably fine for about three or four days, but it never lasts that long in our house, so I'm not completely sure. Um, have a try. Try and make it. It's absolutely delicious. And then for the second recipe, given the title of this episode, chestnuts roasting on an open fire, I just had to find a recipe for roast chestnuts, although it's not really a recipe because it's just chestnuts roasted. Um, but having only ever bought them from a roasted chestnut seller, I thought I should look it up. I found a very simple recipe on bbcgoodfood.com, which is a brilliant website for recipes. Um, and they say you need around 16 large shiny chestnuts. And that's it. Um, heat the oven to 200 degrees C, which is about gas mark six. Um, put the chestnut flat side down on a chopping board and hold it carefully. And then um, cut a long slit or a cross in the top of it. Please do this at your own risk and take good care of your fingers. Um, make sure you cut through the shell but not the nut inside and it's really important that you use a sharp knife for that because blunt knives can be more dangerous than sharp knives um, the shell is tough and flexible like a skin rather than rock hard like other nut shells so a small kitchen knife works well apparently and then tip the nuts onto a baking sheet or into a roasting tin and arrange them cut side up roast them for 30 minutes and they should open up and the shell will start to peel back and just leave the nuts in the tin to cool down. Um, they will be very hot inside, so you just want them to be warm. You can put a board on top of the tin while they cool to trap the steam and it will make them easier to peel. That is a great tip. Thank you, bbcgoodfood.com. Um, and then serve them as they are for people to peel themselves or peel them yourself to use in a recipe. And they say if you do peel them, you might want to remove the inner slightly fluffy membrane as well. Why not make loads more and then you could put them in paper bags decorated with Christmas symbols tied with a ribbon and hand them out to your neighbours? Hmm. Might try that myself this year. And then each week I'm going to share a simple but lovely crafting idea because just like making food, making stuff by hand can be a really wonderful thing to do on a wet autumn afternoon or a cold winter's evening. This week, I want to share about autumn felt bunting. Um, I found a few pieces of felt in autumnal colours. Uh, there's mustard, there's a few shades of green, there's a brown, um, and also a piece of red and a piece of white. And I spent a couple of lovely hours with my children cutting out simple autumnal shapes like leaves, acorns and mushrooms. Um, the mushroom was made of the white felt with uh, red felt over the top, with little holes cut out of it so you can see the white through it. They're really cute. Um, and we stitched them together onto ribbon and strung it up. I got the idea actually from a lovely cafe in Glastonbury a couple of years ago and we finally got around to trying it this year. It looks really lovely alongside the fairy lights that I leave up around the fireplace all year round. And so it is time for our Get Ahead Tips I know that loads of you love these um, from past seasons. So here we go. Um, one thing you might want to think about doing fairly soon is to book carol services that have tickets, illuminations like Kew Gardens and other beautiful places. Perhaps there's somewhere near you that lights up a garden or a building. 
Um, here in the UK, um, a lot of national trust properties are lit up, have special things going on at Christmas, which is lovely, but is often ticketed. Um, meetings with Father Christmas and maybe Christmas dinner if you intend to eat out somewhere. So those kinds of things you might need to book ahead for tickets. It's also a good time to be ordering a seed catalogue and looking forward to a cosy afternoon planning your garden for next year, or maybe even warming yourself up by tidying the garden ahead of winter. It's also a really good time to think about your budget for Christmas spending. I know lots of people don't like that word, but it's the first step towards more mindful Christmas spending and gifting. And we're going to have a whole episode on that coming up fairly soon. Um, But for now, why not pick a figure that you would be happy to spend? For many of us, giving gifts to those we love at Christmas is a huge part of the celebration. But also, it comes from the same pot as everything else we have to fund, including our dreams. Um, So it's really worth taking a moment to think about it now and making sure that when you buy anything, you are doing it perfectly aware of what spending the money will stop you doing in other areas, um, but also how spending the money will bring joy into your life. So um, I'm certainly not of the don't spend anything at Christmas camp, um, but also I really, really believe that it's worth being conscious about what you spend. Now is also a great time to mark your calendar with self-care ideas, keeping your attention on the experience that you think will bring you energy and a feeling of well-being as the darkness descends. And it might be that you want to sign up to a gentle free exercise program like Couch to 5K, which is a brilliant app that can get you running over a number of weeks. I've done that several times. Um, There are also apps out there for meditation and stories like Insight Timer and the Calm app. Um, And of course, movement um, is available for free in many forms. One of my old favourites is Yoga with Adrian on YouTube. There are many out there, so have a look to find what it is that will support you in the weeks and months ahead. And next week's episode is all about ideas for nourishing mind, body and soul. So don't miss that. have a couple of treats for you. Firstly, I have put together a very special Calm Christmas planner, which you can download from dowhatyoulovefullife.com and that will help you map out the weeks ahead and ensure a stress-free, cosy season. I'm also going to be offering my Winter Writing Sanctuary once again. It's a gorgeous short writing course which begins just after Christmas in the time that I call The Hush, and it runs across New Year. Given the ongoing cost of living crisis, I'm offering this for free. If you'd like to join in, go to dowhatyoulovefullife.com to sign up before everything gets busy and you forget. Go and do that now. And then you'll get an email reminder just before class begins in late December and you'll thank your November self for having done it. The Hush is one of my favourite times of year for writing and the Winter Writing Sanctuary is always a highlight in the darkest season of the year. You can find that at dowhatyoulovefullife.com. I also have a very special giveaway for you each week in the run-up to Christmas. Our first one is a personalised signed copy of my book, Calm Christmas and Happy New Year, 
along with a copy of Rosie Steer's gorgeous new book, Slow Seasons. You might know Rosie from her stunning Instagram account, at Everything Looks Rosie. If you want to enter that giveaway, head to my Instagram, at Beth Kempton, to enter. If you're listening to this out of sync with the dates of the podcast, I apologise if the deadline for that giveaway has passed by the time you get to it, but there might just be another one waiting for you there. And that's it for this first episode of season three. I hope this has given you lots of ideas about how to look ahead to Christmas this year with less expectation and more intention. I promise it will serve you well. Coming up very soon is episode two, Candlelight Carol, which is all about nourishing mind, body and soul and about aloneness and the power of retreating. I hope you will join me. You have been listening to the Calm Christmas podcast with me, Beth Kempton, produced by Untapped Talent. If you've enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe and please tell all your friends. And by the way, you might just love my book, Calm Christmas and a Happy New Year, A Little Book of Festive Joy, which is available now from all good bookshops. For a peek into my own perfectly imperfect Christmas preparations, come and find me on Instagram at Beth Kempton. I'd love to see you there. Take good care, my friend, and I hope to see you in the next episode, which is all about nourishing mind, body and soul in the darkest season of the year. Until next time, take good care and stay well, my friend. <laughs>